Hello, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Bad start. <laughs> okay. Good morning, sister. How are you? I may still sneeze. I'm sorry. I've got like a tickle in my nose. I've got a bit of a head cold. So, uh, good morning. Sorry. How are you? Good day. Good evening. <laughs> I am well. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, no, I was just saying this week I've moved from like varying degrees of feeling like crap. So I was like really hungover, <laughs> then really tired because Effie was up like a whole night with an earache. And today I've got a head cold. So, but today is still the best day so far. So, woo. <laughs> Long may continue. We're, we're halfway through. Yeah. Halfway through. So. Yeah, this podcast is going to be a little bit late again this week because, uh, yeah, Effie was off yesterday. So that meant things were knocked on, etc. Uh, with work and whatnot. So, um, yeah, but we're here now and we're rearing to go. Yeah. How are you anyway? I'm good. I'm just about recovered, although I've been trying to just continue routine. So I went back to the gym on Monday, although I felt like a shell of my former self after a wild weekend. So we were in London for the weekend and uh, let's just say we probably drank more than we should have. And I drank um, more than I have done in a very long time. (laughs) Oh my God, totally. Especially Saturday, like whatever about Friday. Um, But Nicola... Totally smashing being a bride-to-be <laughs> went to the gym on Monday. Oh, my God. I would have died. Fully died. Well, I just yeah. have a stone to go, you know, so keep me going. <laughs> but, um, yeah, still wrecked, mostly, but all good. Yeah, it was a great old time we had. You do not, you do not have... Do you, you do not have a few stone to go, but you are doing really good with your get fit, I must say. So well done, you. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, we had a wild time, wild time in London over the weekend. We had a ladies night on Friday night with all the cousins and wives and everything that we haven't seen in ages. And dance, dancing. We were dancing and everything. Yeah, <laughs> so like great old crack. And, you know, yeah. what was also nice is there was very little talk of COVID. So that was nice. Mm. And it like felt like the first normal weekend in a very, very, very long time, you know, where it wasn't yeah. that much paranoia and stuff. We just kind of got on with it and had a laugh and talked for the best. So. Yes, totally. Yeah. yeah, relaxed a good bit. Yeah. And then also I was saying this to somebody on Saturday that just those small interactions with other human beings on the side of the street or in a bar or whatever that you you've missed it's the yeah, weirdest you don't thing know, it's so like strangers, yeah yeah like you just have to chat or you have a laugh or you have a whatever and you know they're very inconsequential kind of meetings mm. but they're just so nice it's just so nice to talk to people mm. you know like it was making me think god am i a real people person like do i like you know should I be seeing other people more? You know, does that energize me or whatever? I know that sounds a bit wanky, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it was I really fab. enjoyed so that aspect well. of it. But people are so friendly. <laughs> sick, of, sick of talking and looking at the same people for two That's years. Terrific. That's terrible. But people are, um, yeah. people in the UK are so friendly. Oh my gosh, they are like, they're so yeah. friendly mm. and nice and, you know, just like the chats and the crack and all that. Yeah, we had a great old time. Yeah. So it was lovely. And Ireland mm-hmm. did great in the rugby's. That was good. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, great old weekend. Half did. Great old weekend. <laughs> Half did. Yeah. Right, we've loads to be getting on with, so we'll push on, I suppose, shall we? Um, so this first bit, I'm going to talk to you about. It's an opinion piece from somebody on her.ie called Katie Brennan. And... Actually, I'm just going to say number one now. Number one. One. So first up is this opinion piece by a girl called Katie Brennan on her daddy. I just thought it was very interesting because 
of some of the comments made by celebrities recently. I'm going to read this opinion piece and then we can have a talk about it afterwards because I just think it's food for thought and interesting thing to chat about. So uh, she says, Nicola Coughlin is right. We all know how it feels to be on the receiving end of a negative comment about our appearance. In fact, we've all probably done it too. And while we can all agree. So Nicola Coughlin basically last week said, please keep your opinions to yourself about my body on social media. Oh, yes. And while we can all agree that making nasty comments about people's bodies is downright disgusting, body talk can be complicated. Sometimes it's hard to remember the impact a simple statement can have on a person, even if we mean well. This is because even well-intended compliments tend to emphasise the idea that our worth as humans is inherently linked to our physical appearance, an idea with the potential to be incredibly incredibly harmful. So yeah, she said on Monday, please refrain from making comments on my body. If you have an opinion about my body, please don't share it with me, the 35-year-old wrote on Instagram. Most people are being nice and not trying to be offensive, but I'm just one real-life human being and it's really hard to take the weight of thousands of opinions of on how you look being sent directly to you every day. So just a thing, if you have an opinion about me, that's okay. I understand I'm on TV and that people will have things to think and say, but I beg you not to send it to me directly. Nicola is not the first celebrity to make such a plea to fans. In 2021, Jonah Hill, actor Jonah Hill, who has had had his body publicly ridiculed for years, issued a statement to the public saying, I know you mean well, but I kindly ask that you comment on my... I kindly ask that you not comment on my body. Good or bad, I want to politely let you know it's not helpful and doesn't feel good. Much respect. Previously, Jonah's name made headlines for a series of paparazzi shots depicting him shirtless, to which he responded, I don't think I ever took my shirt off in a pool until I was in my mid-30s, even in front of my family and friends. Probably would have happened sooner if my childhood insecurities weren't exasperated by years of public mockery about my body. Adele also recently spoke about her the feeling disappointed by the constant conversations about her weight loss, adding that she wasn't surprised due to how much her body had been objectified throughout her career. (coughs) Excuse me. All of these celebrities highlight just how much words can hurt, but the growth of social media appearance-based scrutiny is at an all-time high for those in the public eye and millions of people around the world can relate. As Nicola says, opinions are inevitable, but it's not much to ask for people to have boundaries and keep their words to themselves. It's a reasonable request because no one should have to deal with unsolicited comments about how they look. How many more will have to point this out before we as a society take note? In a world that is image obsessed, it's worth taking the time to reconsider if a statement is really necessary. Let's face it, we can never really anticipate how deep our words may cut someone. Next time you feel the urge to tell your friend they look good in a particular outfit, why not tell them you love their energy, resilience, creativity, authenticity, so on and so on. Sure, aesthetic compliments can give us a temporary confidence boost, but a compliment that doesn't focus on exterior appearance just hits different, doesn't it? What do you think Discuss. of that? <laughs> Discuss. Uh, I mean, yeah. I Well, I totally agree. I don't think it's going to stop people doing it, but I agree with what she's saying completely, you know, yeah. because the thing is with her as well, she gives off such a lovely, positive energy about herself and a comp- and she does mm-hmm. come across confident in herself, you know. She really loves her, her yeah. fashion and makeup and yeah. stuff and that therefore she posts a lot of pictures and things about that, doesn't she? Yeah, and I she? really yeah. like her because so of that, you know. I really mm-hmm. admire her because of that because she's fab, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't... Listen, I'm just a pessimist. Well, I'm not. I don't think I'm a pessimist in everything, but with stuff like this, there are such horrible people out there that. I, 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 yeah, I think the difficulty with this is it's one thing saying that poor girl has, as she said herself, thousands of people giving their opinion. Mm. It's another thing, me walking into a room of 
girls and saying, oh, my God, your dress is beautiful or, oh, my God, I love your hair or whatever, you know, mm. like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Do you know what I mean? Like people need to be considerate in what they're thinking and how maybe sensitive people are. But do we really want to get rid of complimenting people about their physical looks? Mm. And I mean, this is something actually that I'm very conscious of with my girls. Yeah. Because, you know, when when we were kids, it's like, aren't you beautiful? Yeah, you know, like yeah. that was the compliment for a child mm. or whatever. And even a couple of weeks ago, you know, so so I'd make a, a conscious effort to be like, and you're you're just so smart or yeah. you're just clever and or, you know, God, you've got a great imagination or look how creative you are. Those kind of like I try to dispense those kind of positive messages as well. I mean, for example, say like Estelle will say to me some days, I want straight hair. And I'll just say, your hair is beautiful. It's just beautiful as it is. No one's going to stop me ever saying your hair is beautiful yeah, to course. her. Because that will build her up, yeah. you know, and give her um, positive feelings as well, you know. Um, so it's like, where does it stop? Like, it was funny last week, a friend of mine sent a photograph of her little girl and two other girls who would have been her like little bridesmaids at her um, wedding years ago. And they're all kind of teenagers now, yeah. you know except her little girl. And I was like, oh my God, they're beautiful. I literally wrote that back to her. Oh my God, they're beautiful because they are. And then I was like, dot, dot, dot. And obviously really clever too. (laughs) You know, because I was like, shit, I can't just say that because, you know, and I think it's good that we're maybe a bit more conscious of that, you know. Mm. But it's a bit of PC gone mad again. Like, I mean, everything now, you can't do anything without somebody having an issue with it. Like, you know, if Mm. I was to see... You know, like, yeah, but it's kind of your natural instinct, too. It's what we were brought up with. Like, if you see someone, you think they look great. Mm. You're like, oh, you look amazing. Or, you know, what you're wearing is lovely or whatever. That's not going to, is that going to make people feel worse? I don't know. I don't know. Well, that bitch she said about, uh, why not tell them that you love their energy, resilience, creativity, authenticity. Imagine if you walked into a room and you said to somebody, oh, I love your authenticity. <laughs> oh, Wow, where did you get your authenticity? Um, and it's so funny because after I looked at that yesterday, I was looking at um, Twitter this morning and I literally just came across this tweet two minutes before we came mm. on to record the podcast. It's from this girl called Carla Cartistri. And she said, I was sitting in a cafe on a call yesterday, probably looking vacant when a woman approached me and said, you're so beautiful. I just had to tell you. And that immediately changed my whole day. Such a random kind gesture that will stay with me for such a long time. Yeah, I know I would be the same. Like, I mean, we're, yeah. we're all, I don't think it's even vanity, but like, that's our norm. Like, that's what we've had mm. since we were kids. If someone says something, especially a stranger, which is terrible, because if it was your other half and they say it all the time, you might not take it as much. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like this stuff is exhausting. And we were talking about it a bit the weekend too. Yeah, There's one thing after another that you can't do, can do, blah, blah. I'm personally not going to change the way, and I'm a bigger girl. Like I don't mind if someone tells me that I look great or they love my hair or whatever. That doesn't make me feel, oh, they're saying that because I'm a behavior. That doesn't impact me like that. You know, maybe that's about your attitude more than anything. And everybody was saying they loved your hair at the weekend because your hair is absolutely beautiful at the moment. <laughs> no, but- <laughs> and actually, Joe, it was really funny because we all had tiaras on at this on Friday night. Everyone had a little tiara. Like people kept stopping, going, "Is it your birthday?" <laughs> <laughs> like, like what are you gonna do if it is? But I was like, "No, no, I'm on a sort of a Hindu thing." <laughs> um, it was very funny, but like, and people shouting across the room, "Is it your birthday?" 
birthday, happy birthday, and all this. I was like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cute. But, and um, even like mom as well, so cute, kept being stopped by people thinking that you know because we were in Windsor and mom was wearing a lovely fur coat. People were like, oh, the queen is here, the queen. <laughs> Sure she loved her ish. She had a loved best it. time, you know. And yeah, that's just totally. a little thing. That's not nothing even about your you know, your physical appearance, you know. So yeah, like Love I mean, it. I understand what she's saying because I mean it can, I cannot even imagine what it must be like to be in the public eye like that, mm-hmm. especially when you're not the norm of what they think an actress should be, which is still bollocks that we're mm-hmm. still in this situation in twenty twenty two, for God's sake. But um yeah, it's an interesting one. I personally won't be doing it. I will be complimenting everybody and whatever I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I was I was somewhere not last week, the week before, and I've got this yellow tartan coat, and I was just walking down the street with a colleague and um, walked past this guy, and he said, "Woo, somebody's got style." <laughs> <laughs> And I was turned around. He's like, I love your coat. And uh, I just said, thank you very much. And he had a big kind of curly handlebar moustache. And I was like, and I love your moustache. And it was lovely. It was a lovely interaction. (laughs) And there was nothing weird or sinister or underhanded about the whole thing. And it was just a nice interaction. So let's keep paying each other compliments, but be sensitive when we do so, I suppose. Oh, God. Not be like, oh, I love your new fake tooth. Or similar. I like your new rug. (laughs) Yeah, so there you go. Moving along. Number two. Two. So number two this week, actually my two and four this week uh, kind of are not related, but are on the same theme, I would say, of topic. So uh, you probably haven't watched this yet because obviously we were going all weekend, but you probably have seen a lot of people discussing it is the Tinder Swindler on Netflix. Oh, yes. I was wondering if you'd watched it. I was going to text mm. you to say, will you watch this? Because I won't have time yeah, to watch it. Go on. We watched it on Monday is it night. Is it two part? No, is it's it just one. Or? Thank God. It's just one documentary. One long documentary. Yeah. It's about an hour and a half, an hour and 45. But mm. like going into it, I was like, oh, just so many of these bloody things now. Like, you know, so many catfishing. True life. Oh, yeah, kind yeah. of catfishing mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this guy, oh my God. Because he's obviously, it's a real, it's a true life story. And this guy's still knocking around. Yeah, yeah. so it's about this, we actually see like one girl first. And she's talking about, you know, how she always has, wants to meet like a Prince Charming. And that's her dream, blah, blah, blah. You can tell, also a bit keen on a guy that might have a bit of money, you know, that can treat her like a queen kind of vibe. And she says that without Mm -hmm. any shame, you know. So I don't want to mm-hmm. spoil the whole thing, but anyway, she goes, she's on Tinder, sees this guy, decides, okay, he looks well-traveled, good style, I'll design her clothes, like he's on a private jet in one picture, all this stuff. So she follow, So she swipes right. Is that the good one? Yeah, swiping right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's been a long time <laughs> since I was on there. Um, but then it goes from there. So basically, straight away, they start talking about on WhatsApp, on WhatsApp, on WhatsApp, WhatsApp, my brain is still (laughs) fried. But um, then she goes to meet him in like some five star hotel in London. Then he's like, we're going to fly to Bulgaria tonight. Why don't you come with us on a private jet? So she goes with him on the private jet. Um, 
things escalate in terms of their relationship that evening. And then the next oh, day, God. she's back in London and she's like, okay, maybe it was just this mad whirlwind thing. But no, they start a relationship. And it goes from there. And this guy has a ton of money. Like he's paying for everything. He's paying for five stars. He's flying her here, flying her there, meeting her in different countries, all this stuff, talking about meeting her parents, talking about wanting to start family with her, talking about moving in places with her, blah, blah, blah. Then eventually, and I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but I suppose everyone kind of knows what spousing is. It's called the Tinder Swindler. But eventually uh, says that he's actually in trouble. So he's part of a diamond, like, basically dynasty his dad is this big mm. diamond headed diamond a, a diamond company and um and has like photoshopped him into pictures and stuff and that he is uh his money is basically frozen because he's in trouble but this is after she's had like tens of thousands spent on her over the course of a couple of months you know so the way he's done it is very good because it makes you think, well, he has loads of money. Like, why? Of course he, you know, will pay me back this money. So the girl ends up getting American Express after American Express, loan after loan and giving him all this money. And it kind of goes from there. Um, she, so what he says, oh, I'm in a bit of financial trouble. I just need 20 yeah, grand to get me out. and it escalates then. Okay. Like, it's like 20 grand, one mm. minute, 40 grand. The next says he's in trouble at work, has this video of his bodyguard, but like a big cut on his head and blood in an ambulance being like, oh, we got attacked tonight. They were coming for me and all this stuff. Like, and it's because of my money and yada, yada, yada. It is fair play to him because he swindled them, all right, but he got, uh, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but like clever how he did it. So he got a load of money off of that girl. And then we see another girl and same kind of He moves of on stuff. to spending it on the next girl. He, it's basically like a Ponzi scheme because he'll, he'll yeah. swindle one person, take 200 grand off them and use yeah. that 200 grand to swindle the next person. To swindle the next yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so I won't spoil and it all. And keeps him in a luxury lifestyle. Exactly, yeah. but he... Uh, the last getting, getting the shag at the yes, same time <laughs> and the last girl in it though is fucking brilliant she's worth watching the whole thing for like how she handles the whole thing um, not that the other I mean I feel so sorry for the other girls that are involved but the last girl in it this um, Dutch girl is wicked smart and she kind of kind of can get him back at his own game kind of thing but it is mad he's still out and about was he was um, I think he had a fake passport and he's from Israel he had a fake passport and uh, he kind of got done for that. Interpol, I think, uh, arrested him in Greece. Again, kind of at the the fault of that last girl, the Dutch girl, like kind of traced yeah. flights yeah. and all this mad stuff. It's Europe, isn't it? Europe, yeah, what yeah, yeah. It's Europe, girls? but like they're oh, living in it? London. I thought it was America. No, no, but like that, ah, the first girl, Pranilla, oh, is... She's from, she's maybe Finnish, but she's living in, or, Nor- or she's from Norway, but she's living in London. Um, they're mm. all kind of Finnish, Dutch... Like it's funny. That's mm. his type. He's a particular he's a very type, maybe. Much a type. Yeah. But it mm. is absolutely mental. Like me and Joe watched it together, and at the start, I was like, "Oh God, this is going to be a bit like one of those." It is brilliant. Oh my God, it's brilliant. Really? It's so well it? done. It is brilliant. Yeah, okay. It's made from the people who make, you know, Don't Fuck With Cats. Do you remember that documentary a few years yes. ago? That was so dark. Yes. It's made by the same people. So. It's yeah. brilliant. So definitely yeah. watch it. It's absolutely mad. Oh, I'm looking forward to that yeah. now at the weekend. Yeah, what a nice... Uh, but it's one of those where you watch it and you're like, oh my God, like me and Jerry kept looking at each other laughing and like also being like, that is horrendous. But like, oh my God, he's good. Yeah. He's good at this. Like, you know, it was really like yeah. engaging. You're kind of like chatting your way yeah, through yeah, the whole yeah. thing. 
really oh, cool, 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 cool. Uh, we'll maybe but talk about it briefly again. Next and week. he got, I think, a uh, Tinder mm. have now like blocked him. He was still on Tinder like the whole time. Oh my God. Yeah. I saw a headline yesterday that said the Tinder swindler is going to put his side of the story out there. So he's probably going to sell his story to like a tabloid. Yeah, but he's right. You know, make more money. Yeah. Um, the the only TV thing I have for you this week is we we finished loads of stuff we were watching there. Thank God we were watching like t- five different dramas at the same time. Finished a lot of them, but it started last night actually on <gasps> Channel Four, I think. Oh no, I'm lying. I am lying. It's BBC One. Um, this is going to hurt. Oh, the it's going to be very Adam good. Key. Yeah, yeah. So the Doctor Adam Key, he brought the book out. I bought it for Stuart actually about five years ago. About they're basically it's just like stories from a junior doctor okay. who works in the NHS mm. in an A and E, and it's like everything from oh you know I fell off the ladder and landed on a hamster or whatever yeah. <laughs> type stories to you know sad sad happy blah blah yeah. blah blah. So they've actually made it into a series mini series. So yeah, um, was the first one yeah. good? I didn't oh, watch sorry. it. I'm just saying people should watch it. Yeah, it yeah. looks really good. I recorded it. Does it look last good. Night. Oh, girl, I was asleep. <laughs> I was asleep at five past nine last night on the couch. I was fully blessed <laughs> to sleep. I was so tired. Oh, my God. Because uh, Effie just didn't sleep the night before. So I was catching up. Um, so, yeah, that was it. Please. And what else on the Tilly? You box? might have to tell us about that one next week. So, yeah. Um, the Responder, which is interesting as well. I spoke about that briefly last week. Martin Freeman, check that one out. And. And then, oh my god, it's at the end of the Grey's Anatomy series oh, finale, yeah. mid series finale. Oh jeez! Now I know what you meant when you said, "Well, that issue resolves itself about Hunt and Thingy." And um, well, I was glad the dead. people that seem to be okay are okay. To be honest, <laughs> the person that's left well, in the that thing, person, I was like, "Oh, you know, maybe yeah. they've come to the end." No, I think he'd be, I think I think they're no, I think he's going to be all right because. He's told your man that bit of information that we didn't know before and it's like, oh, this is going to oh, cause problems. Oh, yeah, so maybe he's like, I forgot about that. Maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's badly yeah. hurt, <laughs> you know. Um, mm. Okay, right, moving along. Number three. Three. So conscious that I don't want this podcast to go on for three hours today. Um, but today's character is Constance Markovich, Fox oh. of the Week. You could literally, there's been books written about this woman and I'm going to try and condense this into like, two, three pages of A4. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, yes, Constance Georgine Gorebooth, also known as Constance Markovich, once wed, was born in London in 1868, the elder daughter of the Arctic explorer and adventurer Sir Henry Gorebooth. He was fifth baronet and an Anglo-Irish landlord who administered a 100 kilometre estate and Georgina Lady Gorebooth uh, during the famine of 1879-80, Sir Henry provided free food for the tenants on his estate at Lissadell House in North County Sligo. He was one of the good, bad English, if you know what I mean. Um, their father's example inspired, Gorb- inspired in her and her younger sister, Ava Gorbooth, a deep concern for working people and the poor. The sisters were childhood friends of the poet W.B. Yeats, who frequently visited their home in Lissadell House and were was influenced by his and they were influenced by his artistic and political ideas. Yeats wrote a poem in memory of Eva Gorbuth and Khan Markovich, in which he described the sisters as two girls in silk kimono, both beautiful, one a gazelle, the gazelle being Constance. That's 
seems kind of strange now, Yates, but anyway. Um, Constance wished to train as a painter to her family's dismay. So in 1892, she went to study at the Slade School of Art in London. It was all at this time that she became pol- first politically active and joined the National Union of Women's Suffrage Societies. She later moved to Paris and enrolled at the Académie Julienne, where she met her future husband, Casimir Markovich, an artist from a wealthy Polish family from present-day Ukraine. Markovich was known in Paris as Count Markovich, a title that was the norm for large landowners in Poland at the time. In 1899, they married in London and Constance gave birth to their daughter Maeve at Listel in November in 1901. The child was mainly raised by her parents, i.e. her grandparents, the baby's grandparents. The Markoviches settled in Dublin in 1903 and moved in artistic and literary circles with Constance gaining a reputation as a landscape painter. In 1905, along with Sarah Purser, Nathaniel Hone, Walter Osborne and John Butler Yeats, she was instrumental in founding the United Arts Club, which is an attempt to bring together all those in Dublin with an artistic and literary bent. I remember learning about this in um, Leaving Cert, Irish History. This group included yes. the leading figures of the Gaelic League founded by the future First President of Ireland, Douglas Hyde, although formally concerned only with the preservation of the Irish language and culture. The League brought together many patriots and future political leaders. In 1907, she rented a cottage in the countryside near Dublin and the previous tenant was poet Padraig Cullum, uh, who left behind copies of The Peasant and Sinn Féin. These revolutionary journals promoted independence from British rule and Markovich read them and was propelled into action. In 1908, she became actively involved in nationalist politics. She joined Sinn Féin and I, the pronunciation of this word escapes me a little bit. Inigna Neheran, Daughters of Ireland. Does that make sense? Inigna. Inigna. I think that's what it is. Inigna. A revolutionary... W- a revolutionary women's movement founded by the actress and activist Maud Gunn, muse of earlier mentioned W.B. Yeats. Uh, Markovich came directly to her first meeting from a function at Dublin Castle, the seat of British rule in Ireland, wearing a satin ball gown and a diamond tiara. Naturally, the members looked upon her with some hostility. Just kind of interesting comment there, I think, about the disconnect between the ordinary man versus the landed gentry, you know. Um she performed yeah. with Maud Gone in several plays at the newly established Abbey Theatre, an institution that played an important part in the rise of cultural nationalism. The same year, she played a dramatic role in the women's suffrage campaigners suffrage campaign's tactic of opposing Winston Churchill's election to Parliament during the Manchester Northwest by-election, flamboyantly appearing in the constituency, driving an old-fashioned carriage drawn by four white horses to promote the suffragist cause. Churchill lost the election to the Conservative candidate in part as a result of the suffragists' suffragists dedicated opposition. In 1909, she founded Fianna Aaron, a national scouting organisation that instructed teenage boys in scouting in the style of Robert Baden-Powell's then paramilitary Boy Scouts. You forget that the Boy Scouts were actually paramilitary at one point. Um, she was jailed for the first time in 1911 for speaking at an Irish Republican Brotherhood demonstration attended by 30,000 people organised to protest against George V's visit to Ireland. During this protest, Markovich handed out leaflets, erected great banners, emblazoned, Dear land, thou art not conquered yet, participated in stone throwing at pictures, <laughs> stone throwing at pictures of the King and Queen, and attempted to burn the br- giant British flag taken from Leinster House. Eventually succeeding, but then seeing James McArdle imprisoned for one month for the incident, despite Markovich testifying in court that she was responsible. Again, commentary on not who you know, not what you know, but who you know. Uh, Markovich joined James Connolly's socialist 
Irish Citizen Army, a volunteer force formed in response to the lockout of 1913 to defend the demonstrating workers from the police. She recruited volunteers to peel potatoes in the basement of Liberty, Liberty Hall where she and others worked on distributing food. Reportedly, all the food was paid for out of her own pocket and she for, uh, she was forced to take out loans and sell her jewellery. That year, with Inina Naheran, she ran a soup kitchen to feed poor children and enable them to attend school. In 1913, Kazimir Markovich moved back to the Ukraine and never to Ukraine, not the Ukraine, and never returned to live in Ireland. However, they did correspond and he was by her side when she died in 1927. In, in, in the Inina Naheran magazine, Ban Naheran, Markovich's advice to women was dress suitably in short skirts and strong boots, leave your jewels in the bank and buy a revolver. I love <laughs> get it. that put up on a wall you somewhere. Should. In, 19, in the 1916 Rising, she became a fully-fledged officer in the Irish Citizen Army and fought in Stevens Green during the uprising, eventually surrendering and, sent, and she was sentenced to death. Because she was a woman, however, she was spared the death penalty and was given a life sentence. One year later, in 1917, she was given amnesty and released from Aylesbury Jail in England. In 1918, she was elected a member of Sinn Féin, but due to the abstentionist policy of her party and refusing to swear allegiance to the monarch, she never took her seat in Parliament. She was the first Irish woman to be elected to Parliament and one of the first female politicians at the time, serving as the Minister for Labour between 1919 and 1922. In 1926, she, along with fellow revolutionaries Eamon de Valera, Sean Lemass, Jerry Bolden, Frank Aiken, branched off from Sinn Féin to form another party, da, 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 Fianna Fáil, after extensive talks. A year later, in June of 1927, she had become ill with peritonitis and was swiftly brought to St. Patrick's Hospital for urgent care and surgery. After a month-long battle with the illness, she passed away in the early hours of the morning on the 15th of July, leaving behind a legacy that Irish men and women, for Irish men and women to look back on with pride. From her involvement with the suffragette movement as a 20-something in County Sligo to her work for Suburban Ratmines Council at the end of her life, she believed violence was a necessary means to an end. In her mind, that end was a socialist Republic of Ireland, an ideal from which the majority of Sinn Féin and later Fianna Fáil became incredibly distant. Markovich is sometimes seen as a divisive character coming from a wealthy background. She's often painted as a bad mother too, but there's no doubt she advanced the ideals of social progress and gender equality in the right direction. And many pay homage to her struggle for the Irish Republic. Her birthday was the 4th of February. Oh, this week. Very good. I actually had forgotten a lot of that because we get taught a lot of that in school here, obviously. Mm. But I had forgotten mm. an awful lot of it. But yes, she was a badass woman indeed. Totally, but, um, yeah, kind of complex character. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. didn't just like kind of go with the flow kind of thing, and was uh, all of a sudden revolutionary. She kind of had the bones of it, even mm. from a young age. Like, interesting. I think she had a kind of rebellious blood in her, by the sounds of things, mm. and just sort of every time she got pushed in the right direction, she got involved, sort of thing. And um, yeah. probably had, as as we said there at the end, socialist uh, ideals. You know, so uh, mm. yeah, very interesting character. There you go, number four. So I said that this week's, uh, my two this week were kind of related because I have a another catfish topic for you for this section. So this was actually recommended by our lovely cousin Karis. So it's a podcast, a short podcast. It's only six episodes or seven episodes. So you can be under only half an hour each. So I've finished it the last few days and I've been out walking and about and cleaning the kitchen or whatever. It is called Sweet Bobby. And it is the story of a girl who was catfished for 10 years 
<laughs> now, she at the start, when I heard that, I was like, how does someone get catfish for 10 years? You kind of think maybe she's a bit like, you know, gullible to believe this story for 10 years. Mm. But it's actually fascinating the way it was done. The person catfishing her created like 60 different accounts of people to kind of reinforce the thoughts and the story of the of the main character, Bobby. You know, this guy, Bobby, who yeah. is basically, I suppose, eventually the love interest, like friend first, love interest, eventually all this stuff. And Bobby was actually a real person, but obviously not this catfish version. But that guy was yeah. a real person, you know, so... When he had pictures on Facebook and stuff like this, the catfisher would use those pictures to kind of manipulate this girl into thinking yeah. that it was this guy. And the story mm. kind of went from there and it was mad. And you do find out actually who did it to her, which I thought was very satisfying. I didn't know that would happen at the start. So I was a bit like, if they oh. don't fucking tell me who's doing this to this girl... But it's uh, like it's a, someone she knows. It's nearly always someone. They yeah, know. it is someone she knows. I want to say any more than that, but it is someone mm. she knows. But it is absolutely bonkers. I've never heard of such a detailed like online catfishing, the way they created so really? many people, different voices, all this stuff, all done by the same person. And it's really good storytelling. I just really enjoyed how it was told. Like I was really gripped to it because they kind of you hear her side. Kirash is the girl who was catfished. You hear her side of things for the first kind of three, four episodes. And then it kind of turns into an investigative piece, you know. So, OK, OK. Her story and then, yeah. Oh, they're they kind of look into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Tortoise yeah, Media. So uh, mm-hmm. really really enjoyed it would highly recommend it like I said it's short sweet Bobby sweet Bobby and I know that um you know we obviously want you to listen to this podcast get those great recommendations but it's really short and sweet like if you wanted it just for a few days is a good distraction and it's not I mean it's heavy only half an hour each and it's heavy but it's not too bad like I mean you wouldn't be depressed after it it's just gripping I couldn't get over some of the stuff and it was mad like the way the person was so smart that did all this stuff to her so that's my uh, internet recommendation for this week's week Bobby on all podcast platforms cool okay number five five I have a different thing to talk about but the Brits were on last night in case anybody hasn't heard the results yet I'm sure they will have Adele kind of swept the board Mm. some people are saying she somehow sort of referenced that she might be engaged again but anyway that's not that oh, interesting. Oh, for God's sake. Um, so, yeah, she got Artist of the Year, she got Album of the Year, and she got Single of the Year. Like, Jesus Christ, yeah. what else? Like, um, Wolf Alice got Group of the Year, and then the rest of them are pretty boring. The rest of the... Um, I saw Idris Elba was on stage with his fly down at one point, all right? Oh, Jesus. He's everywhere. I don't rate him that much, like, but anyway. Sam Fender, Best Rock. Abba missed out on their one. Bruno Mars, Bend one, you know that Silk Sonic. Yeah, we which still I have, have to, to listen look to into that, that, that album. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, right. So what I want to talk about today was a bit of nostalgia here. There's a piece in Rolling Stone this week by a guy called Rob Sheffield. It was quite funny about rev- the revival of the CD. Um. So apparently in 1921, or 19, 1921? <laughs> in 2021, CD sales increased for the first time in 17 years. Wow. Uh, apparently mostly because of Adele, whose new album sold 898,000 of them. Um, but the last time CDs were this hot, Usher and Ashley Simpson were the ones selling them. <laughs> now it's Adele, BTS and Taylor Swift. It's part of an overall revival for physical media. Vinyl is booming even bigger. 
Compact discs were never about romance. They were about function. They just worked. They were less glamorous than vinyl, less cool, less tactile, less sexy, less magical. They didn't have the aura that we fans crave. You didn't necessarily get sentimental over your CDs the way you fetishised your scratchy old vinyl hearing your life story etched into the nicks and cracks. Your copy of Spice World or Life After Death sounded the same as everybody else's. But CDs work. They just do. You pop in the disc, press play, music booms out. They deliver grooves so efficiently they became the most popular format ever. Um, so basically, anyway, I just thought it was interesting that um, hey, they're gross. on the rise. You know, it talks about how they, between sort of 86 and 94, um, they were the main thing. And then obviously Napster came along. Um, an MP3 sounded kind of tinny, but like it was really, they were kind of convenient and usually free, so you didn't have to pay for it. You know, I mean, I remember that was a big thing for us because we were kind of coming of age around then, around, you know, we were like 14, 15, 16. And if you get Napster to work, which was the primary problem, but if you get it to work, like I remember having like planning to go to parties or planning to go somewhere for a weekend or whatever. Making a CD? I would literally, yeah, I'd have to yeah, make a CD yeah, yeah. in advance, like download stuff yeah. off Napster, like make a make a playlist or like make a, a the equivalent of a mixtape. Yeah. Like, I, I still have loads of them at home. I'd say there's gas stuff on them. I must go back and listen to them. That was great and also, crack, like, though. If, if you were like romantically involved with anybody, making them a CD yeah. and giving yourself, it was so cute. Um, bring back those days, huh? Um, so yeah, so that was it. But um, no, I just thought it was really great because obviously vinyl is booming at the moment as well. And again, it's probably c- kind of comes down to COVID and all that. People are more about like, you know, physical things like, like as yeah, in. I think there's value the in experience that. of mm. the thing, you know, like you can hold it in your hand and, and you know, um, and actually this guy, it's quite funny because he's saying like he has still has all his CDs. Yeah, I'd say have loads of, of them as well. I'd say at home there must oh be Oh my God, so many have been thrown out. No, yeah. loads of them got thrown out from Killarney. Mm. I would say brace yourself. But um, yeah, I just think, yeah, it's a nice, nice bit of nostalgia. I Most of mine are gone. I kept kind of like any collector's editions I had or any sort of um, limited edition or um, live stuff. I kept all of them because I was like, these might be a little bit unique. You know, they mightn't have been pressed again, but anything kind of mainstream you could probably order off yeah. Amazon. But what was your first CD? I'll tell you a funny story now about my first CD. <laughs> I got a CD player for, I don't know, was it my confirmation or first year? And you got a free CD with it. Oh. And it was a Garrett Brooks CD. <laughs> and the first CD I bought, and this is no word of a lie, was... Blower Park Life. Nice. It's a good one. Mine was Steps. I still have that. <laughs> well, my first single was a tape and it was uh, Two Unlimited, No Limits. Oh, that's a tune as well. No, I'm pretty sure mine was like a Steps album or something. It was uh, so cringe when I think about it. But you know, uh, when I think about CDs, to all our listeners, when Kelly and Stuart got married, they gave everyone a CD from the wedding. And I love it. Seems very passe already, no, doesn't it? I love it. I find it sometimes. And even just to read the list again, you should make like a playlist version just so people have it. But I yeah. love it. It brings back a lot of like happy memories, memories when I see it week. and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea. I love it. Yeah. So it was like an invite. Yeah, it was an invite, wasn't it? That had all the... Or no, was it the gift? Or oh, was the it gift was, on the yeah, table? Yeah, so yeah. They, he had given everyone a little fridge magnet with their face on it, which yeah. again, was a great idea, but I'd say nearly nearly divorced you before you were married. And then the CD, yeah, I loved <laughs> it. It was fab. God, it's weird. Like that was 2014 and 
there was no question over, oh, everyone's going to throw these CDs out. People are still listening to CDs in their car and stuff. It's they amazing are, how much yeah. streaming has come on even in those few years. But um, but I get yeah, it though. Do you know when you're a really big fan of somebody, it's like you really want the money to go straight into their pocket. So it's like, I might buy totally. that CD. You know, that's a big rather thing. than just streaming or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that was a big thing for years. And then that seemed to kind of pass off. But again, yeah. And a lot of bands have kind of recognised that as well and they'll do like limited releases of things mm. whether it's vinyl or CDs I've even seen people doing cassettes in the last 12 months as well yeah, vinyl nostalgia for, massive for cassettes mm. um, so yeah no I mean each their own depends I suppose on how big a music fan you are like and how obsessed you get over over the physical Having thing. the physical thing. Well, I'd say there's yeah, a lot of people who still do that and it's pure hipstery go buy the CD yeah. Oh my God, totally. <laughs> or cassette. Yeah, totally impractical. Like, because um, everyone's thrown out their CD players pretty yeah. much, haven't they? So um, anyway, but I just thought it was a nice bit of nostalgia. That's nice. Today. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. So that was it. Now, so the other crack is uh, Stuart and I have had a roller coaster week in relation to this house that we were um, in negotiations on when we last spoke on the podcast. And we got a call later that day saying, I'm um, sorry, somebody else bought the house. And we were like, <laughs> WTF! And then we went through like 24 hours of like, oh, well, what did they say? What's not for you? Won't go by you or what's yeah, for you? Won't yeah, yeah, yeah. Won't pass you. Yeah. And then we got a call the next day to say, actually, those people have dropped out. The house is available again. And we were like, ah, <laughs> so um, anyway, so it looks like things are very positive now. We're just waiting on the paperwork, but it looks like we've got Congratulations. Move into the country. I'm going to need a lot of peaches. Um, so, yeah, Fabulous. interesting. Lovely but, news. Yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it again. Yeah, excited, excited, excited. So what are we like buying houses, two houses in two weeks? Amazing. Amazing. Um, on it. We're on it for 2022, Nicola. Um, and yeah, so I'm in the midst of sort of having to, we are obviously, obviously have to sell this house. So there's going to be a lot of like tidying <laughs> and packing. And, oh God, total nervous breakdown the next couple of weeks. But we're actually going away this weekend with our friends Woody and Di and Cammy, And we're off to the west coast of Scotland for a few days. Oh, lovely. So yeah, midterm break here. So that should oh, be nice. Oh yeah, so. it's a week earlier over there than it is in yeah. Ireland. Because I think it's the week of the 21st here this year. Yeah. Which seems later because I always thought it was Valentine's Day and all that. But, Don't know. Yeah. What are you up to? Next weekend. Naja, but Ireland's playing France and the Six Nations, which is mm. really the big test of the Six Nations. So if yep. we beat them, then things are looking good. So we go to the pub, might have some chicken wings, me, Ger and Lily, chicken wings and watch the match in home early. That'll be it. Uh, chicken wings, sparkling water. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be it. Yeah. My weekend <laughs> treat is like every weekend, chicken wings. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I need to stop eating them. Um, but all is good. Yes, uh, the week is flying. Looking forward to the weekend. Have a lovely trip away. Congratulations on the house. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, keep enjoying and liking and sharing and all that jazz. Yeah, and leave a review if you haven't done so, lads. Please do. We're trying to kind of grow our listeners again and push things on. So um, coming up to our first birthday soon, potentially, Nicola. So we need to have oh a talk gosh. about what we're going to do for that. Uh, Fox First Five Live. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. Have a great week, everyone. See Love you. Later. Bye. Love you. Bye.